This episode today is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co. Grinding Coffee, a black LGBTQ-owned coffee business that donates a portion of every sale to charity. Coffee is imported from around the world and they pride themselves on great customer service for a small team. Use promo code PITLANEPARLAY for 13% off your order. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Every, almost everybody is here. Frenchie's here, Hickey's here, McBridge is here. We've got a couple special guests. We're going to do something a little different this week and let our guests do a majority of the talking. So I'll do a quick introduction and then Shannon is going to dive in with the first question and we'll we'll take it from there. First up, we have Christina Lamb. Christina is one of the IMSA Diversity Scholarship finalists, does some racing there as well. And then also joining us, Phil Spain, Phil, NASCAR blogger and stud extraordinaire. So uh, I I will leave it at that. And uh, He was going to work it in somehow, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Phil and I planned this uh, this morning at, at or this afternoon at, at some point. But Shannon, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. However you want to start it, let's, let's rock and roll. I just wanted to have some people on um, who could kind of talk about a little bit of the diversity in motorsports, what we need to do for inclusivity and that kind of thing. So I thought that Christina and Phil would be great options for those. So that's why we are doing what we're doing today. But Christina, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got started racing and <clears throat> what you're doing now and maybe what kind of struggles that looks like and what maybe some things you've had to deal with that maybe your male counterparts have not had to deal with? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am Christina Lamb. I am the co-owner of the High Speed Motorsports race team. Uh, we've got a couple of cars. We run a lot of BMWs out of our shop. Uh, we've also got two HBD factory race cars. One's a TC Type R and a TCA Civic Si. Um, so my journey into motorsports is a little bit different from most people. Uh, I didn't start karting uh, directly after birth. Um, I um, I got into motorsports pretty late in life. I was like after college, and um, to be honest, I I didn't know anything about cars. Uh, my family is very traditional. They're very academic. Um, you know we we have a car like a family car and we drive that for 10 years until it dies and we buy another car um so uh when i graduated i bought a bmw i was like all right i'm gonna buy myself something really nice and um this will be cool and i you know i knew nothing about it it was a 328 and it was automagic um and it just it looked pretty and that was pretty much all i knew about cars um but i i actually got my first taste in motorsports when i went to germany to visit a friend uh i went to the nurburgring and we rented um suzuki swift race cars and uh i did not know how to drive manual at the time so uh i youtubed how to drive manual i did not understand it uh i memorized the process <laughs> and didn't really know what the hell was going on. Uh, but then I just repeated, I regurgitated that process in the race car um, and I drove the Nürburgring in a race car. Uh, that was my first experience. And after that, I was like, wow, this was really cool. And I think I'm gonna go home and do some of this at home. Um, so after that, I, I bought an E36. It was also Automagic. Uh, I learned how to, um swap the transmission i did all the work myself and i eventually built it into a race car um and you know i went through the the track day kind of stuff and eventually got to time trial instructing racing um i kind of condensed all of that to uh, a couple of years and kind of got through that as fast as i could um and so yeah now i now i race an e46 m3 that i built in scca uh, we've got the two factory race cars from HBD, uh, and I am a Skip Barber Racing uh, instructor with them as well. Wow. <laughs> I'm guessing you know how to fix cars more than any of us in here at this point. 
So yeah, I mean, the, the car fixing thing kind of came out of necessity. Um, it was, I had to teach myself how to fix my car um, because that was the only way I could afford to get into the sport itself. Uh, everything was just super expensive. And so if I wanted to do it, the cost of barrier was much lower if I could do the work myself. Sure, absolutely. Do you have anybody that helps you? Is it just you? Um, so I work with the shop High Speed Motorsports, um, and I joined them in 2017 when I started racing. Uh, they were a huge resource when it came to, you know, really fine tuning my car for to be the best car in grid. Um, and shortly after that, you know, I joined them as a driving coach, and uh, you know, I work on cars with them, uh, and I co-own the the HPD race team with them now too. I'll I'll start with Phil here. You know, how did you, you know, get into NASCAR as a kid? How did you, you know, go from being a NASCAR fan to blogging? You know, how did that start? And then uh, give your, uh, give the website a plug. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I've been a NASCAR fan for just about 25 years now. So uh, I got into NASCAR kind of like, I guess, any little kid would when you get little matchbox cars. And uh, my mom had got me a, it, it came with a pack of band-aids that that was like the odd part about it it was a Wait, really? band-aid car like a little matchbox car and mm. i just thought it looked different from like all of the other cars that i had and then when i found out oh well this is a nascar race car and then i saw it on tv and i was like oh okay i like this and then it just from there just grew into you know watching it you know, every once in a while to every week. And then when I was uh, 14, I finally got to go to my first uh, NASCAR race at Dover. Um, and that was like li a life-changing experience for me, you know, after spending so long watching. Um, but as I grew up and I started like uh, appreciating journal the journalism side a lot more once I realized that, hey, I'm probably not going to be a race car driver. Um, I uh, just started writing. I started out originally back when Bleacher Report was like a fan-run site at the time. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah. yeah, and I got to plug Kelly Crandall, who, uh, you know, she she was one of the editors over there at the time, and I learned a lot from her, so... I uh, stopped writing for a little while after Bleacher Report, you know, kind of went their own separate way with what they were doing. And, uh, you know, now I'm back uh, with a group called Pitbox Press. Um, it's basically just a bunch of fans like me. A lot of them are younger than me, and that's what kind of scares <laughs> me, that they can write so good that I couldn't do it at that age. But um, now just everybody, you know, we try to – Right now, we're concentrating more on NASCAR, but uh, it's everybody just basically state, you know, we do have opinion pieces. A lot of it's just Cup Series recaps or, uh, you know, we're branching out into, like, different types of articles with hometown heroes. Uh, you know, we tr we're trying to find people that are local to us, get them in for an interview, and just build from there. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up. And uh, right now we're all working on the season preview for next season. So, uh, yep. So I, just stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, I, you were you were supposed to start writing your season preview if I if I read your Twitter earlier correctly. Yeah, right? yeah. And I hastily wrote one on my lunch break, so I still have nice. one more to go. But you know. don't call them out like that. Good lord. You're doing better I, than hey, I look, am. I put it in the public domain, so. Well, yeah, but <laughs> we can on Twitter, over I, it. I probably have to say something about it. I've got um, a story due on Friday that I haven't even started. It's awesome. <laughs> See? See? Um, everyone procrastinates. Yeah, I can probably jump in with the next question. My question is for Christina. So you had rattled off a lot of great, you know, kind of positions you're in and, and activities that you do and whatnot. So during the race season, do you have any sort of free time at all? 
Oh, absolutely not. Once race season starts, um, I mean, like we get started so early too. We get started uh, in January. We go down to Sebring for the SECA Super Tour. And I was literally just talking to Hugh Stewart from High Speed uh, right before this podcast. And he was like, you know, we we go to Sebring in six weeks. Um, But it's funny you asked that question because, yeah, I don't see anybody once the season starts it's like if anyone wants to schedule anything, it's like go get wrecked. Like see you in October. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I have yes. a very small window from like it's like the end of runoffs to Christmas, and you know maybe the first week of January. And you know if you can't book something in that, like see you next year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how you do that. I have mad respect for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely it's tough um you know because we're we're on the road basically every weekend or at least three weekends every month and um it's either shop work or we're racing ourselves or we're supporting customers um so yeah it's definitely a busy season and finding out how to balance that is is a lot of work yeah mike and i well i just started traveling with the podcast in all july oh mm, july, july or august. august i don't know it's all the same i don't know well, I was at races before that, but I realized a week before Thanksgiving that that's the first time I've been in my house since July 15th on a weekend. Yeah, like at home enjoying your home. Yeah. You're like, oh, I pay a lot of money for this. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm I have a brand here. new couch I've never sat on. Here we go. <laughs> Hickey and I over here phoning it in. Yeah, you guys say, like the host working your butts off. I was just, just saying about Sadie and Frenchie over here just you know, having, Chilling. having beers every Friday night while you guys are out working hard. Oh, yeah, I, I was I was saying to somebody just the other day, I was, I was like, I like weekends like Shannon described, like where you're at home, like I get like I get antsy. I don't know what to do because I'm so used to not being home that when I'm home, I'm like, I can't sit still. I walk up and down the stairs. I'm like, should I play a video game? Should I watch TV? And I can never sit still for more than an hour. It's really hard. It does make me wonder, like, what do people do on weekends? Like, <laughs> what what do people who are not laundry. into motorsports do? Yeah. yeah, laundry and just sit and loaf for the rest of the time. Oh, yeah. I'm with yeah. you. Like, I'm like, where, what are you, what are we supposed to do? What are we doing? What am I supposed to do with my hands? I just want to say, Mike can't sit still at a racetrack either. No, I Facts. cannot. Facts. All right. All right. Listen, ma'am. She walk uh, really fast at racetracks. She just like, agreed with me. Direct your hate towards me. <laughs> Send all complaints too. Send all complaints to Matt Nikki at. Yeah, should we give you your email on air? Yes, go ahead. Okay, uh, Frenchie, I'll let you go next. I have is kind of, I guess, going into this whole diversity topic um, and starting to really talk about that and think about it. Um, one of the, the things, I guess, to start with that is, do you guys, in your experience, think that motorsport is an area that leads the way in terms of change and inclusivity? Um, or is it something that lags behind and kind of plays catch up with the rest of society? It just in your experience. You want to go first, Phil? Yeah, I can. Um, I would say, I would say it's, they're not leading, but they're, they're getting there. Now, I will say... Other types of motorsports like, uh, you know, IMSA or even uh, like Rallycross and different things like that, they're a little bit more, you know, inclusive as far as, you know, different uh, ethnicities, different, uh, you know, uh, different genders. And whereas when I look at NASCAR, because that's what I deal in mostly, we are lagging behind horribly. So, I mean, there's no two ways around that. Um, you know, it, it's we're making changes, but I think it's kind of like we're forced to make changes at this point. Uh, you know, especially with the, you know, uh, I, and not even to say the political climate, but with, you know, everything that's going around, you know, uh, it's time to be able to amplify different uh you know, different ethnicities, different genders, and uh, NASCAR is on their way to doing it, but they have they have a long way to go. And I said this when I got interviewed by USA Today a couple of weeks ago that, uh, you know, they can say they want to do all of these different uh, initiatives or 
uh, get sponsored by, you know, things like the Trevor Project or working with, uh, you know, uh, other groups. But you have to be able to fully go into that where, you know, the drivers don't feel bad for speaking out when things happen. And, you know, I'll say, like I say, other motorsports, especially, I mean, even if you look at, I guess you could say, even if you look at F1, they're a little bit more inclusive now. And especially, you know, when you look at things like the W series and everything, but, you know, I think there still can be more improvements on everything. Yeah. Um, so on the road course racing side, um, you know, I don't I don't think that we're lagging behind. I mean, I think, you know, like you said, Phil, that NASCAR probably has a lot a long way to go, um, but they are making strides to do so. Uh, I feel like the paddock in IMSA and SECA, they always have been quite diverse. Um, and I do think that they have made a really good push in the past couple of years to really promote that, um, you know, there, it is still, um, you know, there's still a stereotype of what motorsports is and um, the type of people who do that. Um, and it, you know, it's true to a degree. Um, every year I do see more women in the SECA paddock and um, there are groups that are always trying to promote more women to go through the ranks um, you know, elevate them through autocross and track days and try to give them that that benefit, that leg up to get more women into the sport, um, get more diverse groups into the sport. Um, you know, there, there are races where, uh, you know, I feel like I do stick out a little bit more in, in the paddock and people notice it. Um, I, it was, uh, I think last year at runoffs at Road America, um, you know, it was like kind of like you said, it was like the, the political climate was very tense at the time, um, you know, last fall. Um, but there was actually a gentleman who walked up to both me and Hugh. Hugh owns high speed um, and Hugh's Jamaican. Um, I'm Asian American and you know we stick out in the paddock. We are both uh, very serious racers. We race in T1, which is um, a pretty serious class. I mean, they're expensive cars and we go up against some really great drivers. Um, and people just kind of look at us like, you know, do you, are you guys lost? Um, we had a guy who actually came up to us and he was like, Hey, like you two feel safe here. Um, just based on like the flags that are flying in the paddock that people have put up, uh, based on their political preference. Um, and it, it, we were kind of like, oh, you know, that's not something we thought about. Like we, we've always felt safe in the paddock, you know, we've never once considered that, but, um, the fact that someone had to look at us and say, Hey, these people kind of stick out. And, um, you know, based on a lot of things that are happening in the news, you know, they may not feel safe and like, let me say something to them. Um, that was kind of an eye opener for me. And like, you know, they, that came from like a good place in their heart. It wasn't like malicious or anything. Um, it wasn't meant to, to scare us, but, um, you know, they had the concern of, Hey, you know, maybe these people don't feel safe where they're at based on what's going on around them. Um, and that's something like I never really considered to be a thing. Like I, you know, I, I've never felt unsafe in the paddock and I, I will say like, you know, regardless of who it is and what they think, um, you know, if it's always just been racing first. Um, so I, I think like, I've never felt unsafe in a paddock. Like it's always been my second home, like during the season, that's, I mean, it's my first home. Like that's where I am every weekend. Right. Um, but I, I do think that the strides that the organizations are putting together to promote that diversity and really push for it. I think it's really good. I know that there has been some pushback from people like saying, Hey, you know, how come these people are getting this leg up and how come this scholarship isn't offered and open to everybody? Um, look, there's no right way to do it, right? No one, this is the first time that anyone is really trying to push for diversity in this world and there's no right way to do it. We're all trying to figure it out. You can't make everyone happy, but you know, the fact that they're making those strides to try to make it happen, um, it's the right thing to do and we'll figure out our way to, to really even the playing field for everybody. I'll jump in unless Shannon Hickey, you guys good? All right. So this is another question for for both of you guys, and you kind of both touched on different parts of this, but 
you know, we have things like the IMSA Diversity Scholarship, W Series, IndyCar's Road to Indy Diversity uh, Program, and the NASCAR also has, I now that I'm bringing it up, I forget the exact name of it, but the... the Drive for uh, Diversity. Thank you. Drive for mm-hmm. Diversity. So all, all these things are good, but what's the next, like, what's to you, what's next, or what's the most important next step? Well, I... I can go first if you want me to, but um, I would say the next step, especially while well, speaking for NASCAR, and I've said it before, I think they need to start doing more things in urban areas or, you know, do things where they, you know, stand out away from something else. When I was a little kid, uh, when the, it was close for Dover on the schedule, uh, down in Baltimore, which is basically, you know, where the Anna Harbor and everything is, they used to bring a uh, simulator to the, uh, now this is like well before like, uh, you know, iRacing got big or anything like that. Somebody would bring a simulator down uh, just to, you know, give kids the experience of being inside of a race car while also, uh, you know, seeing what NASCAR was. And I remember that stood out to me, you know, because it was like, Okay, so they're thinking, you know, hey, can you know what can we do to get more people that are close to you know the to the track get to the track, you know? And after a while, they stopped doing that, and then you know now with the drive for diversity and stuff, I think there there's more that they can do, but they're on a path, you know, they're working with the urban race, urban racing school. It's the, uh, uh, project that Kyle Larson is working with, um, uh, and Chevrolet is working with, and they need to, you know, start going further in now the urban racing school is in Philadelphia, which is, you know, uh, a kind of a, you know, a melting pot of minority and, uh, you know, they're able to get to some of those kids. I think there is a plan where, you know, they could be able to get to kids in my area, you know, let them know that, hey, you know, there's more to, you know, sports than just, you know, playing football or playing baseball, you know, there are other outlets, you know, and even if you want to teach them, you know, how to be an engineer, you know, to get a step or, you know, find themselves in the, uh, you know, in the ability to be able to try to work for a race team, you know, if they can't drive for one, you know, at least find a way to, you know, build kind of the next generation because there's going to come a time where, you know, the next you know, it's going to come a time maybe, you know, 5, 10, maybe 15 years from now. And, I mean, even you see it with Kyle Larson. Uh, you know, there's going to be a mixed race driver that's going to win a championship. So, it's, you know, it, it's a, it, as the world grows, I think motorsports has to grow with it. And But you kind of have to somewhat, I guess, I don't want to say clean the cobwebs out and, you know, embrace it instead of being tensive and passive towards it so yeah it's a great point and to build on that phil um i think you're absolutely right i think that uh filling the filling the audience with your diverse crew that you want to see um you know your grid eventually filled with is the start um filling that audience having those spectators be that diverse crew um that is absolutely the first step in growing that diversity in motorsports. Um, and so, you know, if you if you guys look at who got you into racing, right? Um, who was it that got you guys into racing, just out of curiosity? Like, was it family member? Um, yeah? Mm-hmm. One of my grandparents. Parents. Yeah, my I guess you could say my parents. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think you're right, Phil. I think we need to target uh, the next generation because uh, drivers like me, I'm a first generation here. My parents, uh, they were born in China and Hong Kong. They were not the ones to introduce me into racing. Um, 
And if you think about how people get introduced into racing, it's always a family member. It's a parent, a grandparent, an uncle saying, hey, you know, come do this. My parents were absolutely not interested in that as, you know, immigrants to America. They were looking at fulfilling the American dream, surviving, making a better life for their next generation. And that does not include the luxury of an expensive sport. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're not going to be the ones bringing their kids to the paddock. To them, that's just, and it, it seems like an out of reach uh, sport that's meant for people with money. And that's the stereotype that we want to break, right? Um, right? So, and if you look at, you know, the different diverse groups that we're, we're really trying to promote, those people's parents also did not have the opportunity to be in the paddock. Yeah. And those you know, those people's grandparents were also not in the paddock. So in order to break that cycle, we do have to reach out to those kids and bring that simulator, to, um, you know, to inspire them and to get them into the paddock, get them to look at the engineering behind all of the race cars and to really inspire them and giving them, giving them that chance to get into and just even spectate the races is a great way to expose them. And, you know, the word can spread from there. You know, they'll, they'll talk to their friends, be like, hey, you know, I got to go to an F1 race and, uh, you know, I went to Petit Le Mans or that. And, you know, that's where we can really inspire them and they can realize at a very young age that it's something that's possible for them too um it's just that you know they need to be exposed to it do you think that motorsports as a whole is doing a good job of that or is there something some part of that that we're missing that maybe we could do more with i mean i know phil said like bring things into the urban areas and that kind of but but not everybody is living in an urban area i live in a very small town right so i've got a lot of country kids that probably wouldn't recognize racing either. So what is it that maybe we're missing as a whole that we can maybe bring to it for, you know, just for everyone? I mean, I would love to see corporate sponsors really stand behind this cause and yes. not just because it is like the hot topic of 2021 um, because right. they think it's a great marketing ploy. And yes. I think that's really the biggest roadblock in this whole thing is that so many people are jumping on board because it's the cool thing to do because they need to because they they need to sound woke they need to do whatever it is right, and right. it's a very it's it's not an authentic attempt yes, at really exactly. really really fixing this issue um and it, it's hard i mean like i get it it's a it's a bottom dollar it's all about the money like what are they going to get out of this um so I get it, but someone out there needs to be the real change. And unfortunately, like it just takes money. So it's about finding the right person um, who's willing to put in the money to make that change. All right. Yeah. And, and the bounce off of that. Uh, and, and I'm sure Christina, I'm sure it's Shannon as well. You can tell when you're being pandered to for something. So you, you know, you know, <laughs> when they're just doing something to say, Hey, you know, we accomplished this, you know, it's kind of mm -hmm. like, okay, but what are you going to do after this that they don't seem to have the answer for? And it's like, you can do something one year, but then the next year it goes away. And it's kind of like, you know, okay, how do we sustain what we did the prior year? And I think in, in especially in motorsports, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. 
I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. You know, like... Like Christina said, you need someone with money that's going to put their foot down and say, no, we're going to do this, you know, whereas, you know, a lot of the owners, especially in NASCAR, uh, a lot of the owners and, you know, sponsors and all of that, they're so strict with what they want their drivers to, you know, uh, touch on, whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, me and you, we can just say what we feel. You know, especially, you know, and even in our not in, in our nine to five jobs and things like that. But you know, you get a driver that's making two or three million dollars and they can't speak out on a cause because you know, someone says, Oh no, it's not good for the brand. It doesn't represent what we how we feel and it's just like, Okay, well, things are happening outside that are going to need, you know, need to be addressed. It's not just something that we can just walk away from and think it's just going to disappear and nobody's going to speak up. And especially when you have fans from, you know, different nationalities or different, uh, you know, different genders, you know, they see how NASCAR or, you know, some other motorsport approaches those things and sometimes it's kind of often you know because it's like bring attention to it but you know just don't make me feel like you're just doing that just to make me happy do it because it's from the heart yeah sometimes i feel like um some drivers feel um that they can say all the wrong things and that's okay but to say anything right, exactly, they, they feel like they just either can't or won't or don't want exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, to tie some IndyCar into here, I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, you know, Roger Penske and some of the recent moves that he's made, whether it was the uh, Force Indy team in USF 2000 last year that was for African-Americans to, you know, get employed and their driver, Miles Rowe, uh, and then also the partnership with Peretta Autosport in the Indy 500, with, which was a female forward team. Um, just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, you know, those kind of moves from the owner of IndyCar and the Indianapolis 500 to, you know, try and do something. It's, to me, it seems like a genuine effort to try and do something to, you know, combat the issues we're facing in society. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Roger Penske's the real deal, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the moves that he's made uh, with those two teams, it, it's it's the right thing to do. Um, and I think that he has um, he has the he has the right heart to do this correctly, um, and the goal of you know making motorsports a better place. And so, I I can't wait to see where where all that goes and um, how it grows. Yeah, and like like uh, Christina said, you know, with Roger, you know it's genuine, you know. Uh, he's one of the most stand-up guys, you know, throughout the history of racing. And, you know, my guess is, you know, that's just the beginning, you know, with, uh, you know, Peretta and, and the, uh, you know, Force Indy teams. So, I mean, I would like to see him bring that towards NASCAR as well. Um, I'm sure there are probably things that he's doing behind the scenes. Uh, but it, like, at first, you know, you are cautiously optimistic about something like that, where it's like, okay, is this just going to be a one-year thing, or, you know, is it going forward? And, you know, it, he's put his foot down and, you know, made it made it apparent that, you know, 
hey, he, he's doing this for good reason. He's not just doing this to, you know, do it for publicity or press or anything. He's doing this because he believes in it. So I'm excited about it. Frenchie, I'll turn it over to you before I ask another question. Yeah, I had a question basically sort of for our, I guess, listeners and our fans. And something that I wonder about, right, is you guys both talk about this being, you know, something that needs to be genuine, right? It can't just be a marketing exercise. And so for people who really feel strongly about this, even if they don't look like the most diverse cast of characters like us here at, at Pit Lane Parlay, uh, um, uh, how, how can your average fan, do you think, be an ally? right? Be an ally for inclusivity and change. Like what can your average fan do to put pressure on these businesses or to really make, um, you know, these sports feel like a more inclusive place? Because, you know, that's something that I think racing's for everyone, right? It doesn't matter what you look like, who you are. I think you can love racing and I want you to love racing because I want to share it with everybody. Um, and so that's something I feel strongly about. And I, you know, just to get the chance to ask you guys this question is a really cool opportunity for me. That's, that's a good question. Um, because, our fan base is the most powerful tool when it comes to racing, right? I mean, we we do this because we put on a show and, um, you know, we have things like BOP so that we put on a good show for the fans. No one wants to see, you know, someone run away with a race, right? Um, so uh, that's a great question. Um, I think the fans are the most powerful people when it comes to what a series should look for, um, look for and to have goals to become. Um, and so fans have lots of platforms that they can speak out on. Um, and I think a great way to show support would be through their own social media. It's a free platform, um, whether that's on, you know, Twitter's a great place, right, to have discussions um, and interact. And like, you know, that's where you can go on Twitter and you can actually like get a response from drivers that, you know, you normally would wouldn't give you a second glance in the paddock um but it's cool i i think that fans can take to their platforms to show their support um whether it's instagram facebook twitter um you know that's that's where you you can show your support follow people um and really create those discussions and bring attention to uh the important issues uh and so if that's um an issue that a fan supports then i think uh, it's a great place to bring it up and create discussion and show a uh, series that that's what's important to them. Yeah. And, and the bounce off of that, uh, you know, with some motorsports, you know, you have those people that will make those snide comments when, you know, uh, let's say NASCAR says something about, you know, I'll say like black lives matter. If they speak out on that, especially uh, like they did last summer, you know, when they came up mm -hmm. uh, with all of the di diversity initiatives and things that they had planned on uh, talking about, you know, then you get, you know, you get the people that are happy to see that this is happening. And then you have, you know, Johnny Bunch of numbers that gets mad. <laughs> and, you know, oh, NASCAR just needs to get back to sticking, you know, stick to racing. And it's just like, you have to change the culture around the sport, you know, and a lot of that comes with that stigma of everyone thinking that, you know, NASCAR is just this good old boy Southern sport, you know, that just races, you know, primarily in the South. And whereas now, you know, it's all over the, you know, all over the map. And, uh, you know, I, I think, and I always used to say that, it was, you know, you have to wait for, you know, a certain, a certain group or a certain, uh, you know, I, I guess, the, yeah, the easiest way, a, cert, a certain group to like, you know, kind of step out of the way. Uh, but now it's getting to the point where they've passed that, how they feel about, you know, certain situations onto their children. And now they're growing up. And, it, you know, it's like, especially in NASCAR, it's like a no-win situation for them. You know, they're doing as much as they can, I believe. You know, they can still do more. But, uh, you know, they it's just to a point where some of the fans that think that way are just, you know, so toxic 
but they are the ones that are, you know, they're the ones that saying, oh, well, I'm going to give up my seats that I've had for 35 years, you know. So what the, you know, it, it hurts NASCAR a little bit, you know, it works out because, hey, that's one less person that's going to be complaining about it. But, yeah, I, I just think that if you're going to be an ally towards things, you know, just make sure, you know, you show that it's real. And I think in a way to say that, you know, show that it's real, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if you see something about like, you know, let's say the Trevor Project, or if you see something about, uh, you know, a cause like the Wendell Scott Foundation, you know, so you see things like that, you know, start giving to those things because those things help situations that NASCAR is trying to better. You know, they they are getting involved with these things. And the more that they see that you're OK with it and you're putting money towards it or your time and, they, you know, it'll start to help change the narrative but the issue is we we got to stop trying to appease the old guard you know because it's at a point now where you know oh you know you get a guy like you know we dealt with a couple weeks ago like with randy the plumber getting mad at bubba wallace for saying something uh you know it's just like of all things to get mad about you know i mean he's gotten mad about coolers but it's a different story altogether um but you know you get a guy like him and it's just like no that's what we're trying to get away from you know we don't want this in our face all the time but these are the people that spend their money and all of that but it's just like the allies that we want we're getting towards that and even in some of the sponsors and you know you look at like uh you know different different companies that have worked with NASCAR and, you know, there was even uh, last summer when uh, the designer Lefty had done the uh, ally scheme that had, you yeah. know, uh, you know, some LGBTQ things behind it uh, and how happy they were for him and how they worked with him on, you know, being able to design a car for uh, Jimmy Johnson a couple of years ago, or at least, yeah, that was last season forget the pandemic has kind of you know <laughs> torn time apart but uh you know we just need more brands to say i'm in do you think that the series is as a whole need to do a better job of being more vocal about um the things that they support um because like you, you mentioned the Trevor project with the NASCAR and I think I've seen them say something about that maybe once or twice. One. Yeah, right? it was only like like it's, once or twice. It's yeah. not something that if you don't follow Twitter and you don't really follow NASCAR, you wouldn't know that they support this, right? right. So I, I mean, and, and maybe it's because I don't follow NASCAR. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. No, but I feel like um I feel like sometimes like, you know, yes, we're doing these great things, but we'll only say it once. Did you hear it? If you didn't hear it, sorry about your luck, right? Like what, what more can we do? What more do the series needs to do to let everyone know what they support or what they want all the time? All right. Um, well, I'll, on that one, I'll kind of go with what I said in USA Today a couple of weeks ago. NASCAR can do more outreach at races. You know, don't tell me on Twitter that, hey, I'm working with the Trevor Project. Have them set up a booth at the track. You know, are they going to get, you know, remarks, you know, snide remarks that, yeah, they're going to, but the thing is, most of these, you know, organizations have dealt with hate thrown their way before and you're going to get that when you know if you go to somewhere like a talladega or you know uh uh, even even when you go to atlanta or daytona you know even though those places are different you know you're still getting people that come from abroad that think in that mind state where they don't want to learn about something new so you know, NASCAR has to do it where they can, you know, set up a booth at the track, 
have them learn something, you know, uh, have a race, you know, where you have, you know, members of the LGBTQ community or, uh, you know, even minorities, you know, having a, a broadcast centered around them, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, you have an announcer that's maybe, you know, African-American, uh, you know, just give it a fresh perspective and show that you're committed to doing it, not where it's just, oh, we're just doing this because it's Pride Month. Oh, we're just doing this because it's Black History Month. Now, hey, you know, that that's out of the window now. You know, it's time for action more than it is placating. Yeah, it's definitely time for action. Um, and it would have to be a series number one priority to push this issue. And like you said, um, Shannon, like it can't just be like, hey, we said it once and, you know, we're, we're kind of afraid to really push it to because we're going to upset, like you said, Phil, like the old guard. Um, you, you can't be upset at pissing someone off. Like no one's going to be happy um, no matter what you do. You can't please everyone. So if this is truly the change you want to see, it has to be your number one priority. For NASCAR, like, you know, I want to see whatever. I, I, you need to have airtime. And if that means taking out, you know, a truck commercial every 30 seconds or taking out an ED commercial every 30 seconds and promoting your, <laughs> yes. your, your number one goal. Um, that's what it has to be. Like, I want to see it as much as I see those commercials. Um, but unfortunately, like I said, it's, it's going to take money because you're no longer going to get that, that funding from those commercials. Um, but it just, it is going to be on someone, whether that's a series or a sponsor to make it that number one priority. Awesome. Dude, are we sure we have to go after the ED commercials, though? <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. You know, it's not as bad as it was like 10 or 15 years ago. So, That's true. Yeah, we ED, had a not at the commercials, aren't right. <laughs> The commercials. I'm glad you heard that. <laughs> well... First off, this isn't the only time we're going to do an episode like this. You know, we definitely we have a few other guests lined up, and and Phil and Christina are are definitely welcome back because it's been it's been a lot of fun. But I I'm going to wrap it up with one question. I think I think we're we're out of questions, but and this is for a, another one for both you guys. But so we've talked about this, but where can you know, people go to continue to educate themselves? I know Phil mentioned the Trevor Project and a few other things, but uh, and anything we list we list here, I'll make sure to listen and, and jot down in the show notes so people don't have to pause the episode and listen to it. But uh, for both of you guys, other resources that are worth checking out, even if it's you know, a specific Twitter account or Instagram or, or anything like that. Um, so I think that IMSA is doing a really great job at promoting, um, their diversity initiative. Uh, they're also doing something with SECA. Uh, I think that both SECA and IMSA together, uh, are really making strides. Uh, SECA has several different, uh, organizations within that, that they support, uh, financially to support, uh, diverse groups, um, women in motorsports. Uh, so if you guys are looking to get on track or just get involved in any way, uh, there are opportunities there. So both seca.com and imsa.com are wonderful resources. Yeah. And, and with, uh, NASCAR, like we say, you know, um, there are a few podcasts out there. I'll, I'll get the link for you, Mike. Because uh, I know there are a few that are pointed towards, you know, the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, uh, there are a few foundations, like I say, Urban Racing School. Uh, you can find out more information about them. Uh, Bubba Wallace has the Be Different Foundation. I think it's either the Dare to Be Different Foundation or it's the Be Different mm-hmm. Foundation. But it, it's his foundation. Um and I think that's pointed towards, you know, uh, minorities and, you know, people of different genders as well. Uh, of course, NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program, uh, they're doing that and they're branching it out more now towards, you know, people that want to work behind the scenes as well. You know, whether that's as a photographer or, you know, working social media, just anything to get your foot in the door as far as that. Uh places of course where you can educate yourself um you know if you're ever in washington dc you know for the uh 
the Smithsonian has the uh, African American History Museum. You know, a lot of people they can learn things from uh, learn a lot by going through that. And even still, you know, even if you go to the uh, Holocaust Museum as well, you know, a lot of that would clear up, you know, a few things for people, I would think. Um, but just, you know, just keep, I would say, keep an open mind is the biggest thing. You know, it, not, don't be afraid to learn something and don't be afraid to, you know, question something. Yeah, you know, I, I get people in my DMs all the time, you know, that, say hey you know i you know i'm seeing what's going on but you know i don't understand it you know can you help me understand right. it and it's easy to do that you know but you know it you need more people that are going to be civil towards you and i think we're working and trending towards that but you know um you know it, it's it's going to take some work a lot of places are working on it and uh, but like I said, just keep an open mind. That's the biggest research that you can do. I love it. Well, Christina, Phil, I know we all appreciate all of the time tonight and all of the answers and insight. So, guys, one more time, plug your Twitters, website, whatever you want to plug, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap it up. Yeah, thanks for, uh, so much, guys, for having us on the show. Um, it was a ton of fun, and I can't wait to join you guys again. Um, if any of you guys want to follow me, uh, my my Twitter handle is Christina Y. Lamb. Uh, I think that's also the same across Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Yep, and I'm on Twitter at Phil and Espanol. Uh, your best bet is to just go into the show notes and find it that way, but I'm also... <laughs> uh, on Instagram is the same thing. And I think I'm on Facebook is the same thing too. But um, yeah, and of course, uh, the Twitter for Pitbox Press is at Pitbox Press. Uh, and we try to tweet out our links whenever we have uh, news come out. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you very much. Hope everybody enjoyed listening. And like I mentioned, we'll be doing more of these. Thanks, Shannon, for coming up with the idea. It was a lot of fun. And Everybody have a lovely weekend of racing. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.